What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors join us every week here on Next on the Tee. Be sure to check out our guest schedule and all our podcast episodes on our website at nextonthetee.net. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is former PGA Tour pro Richard Zirkel. And let me remind you a little bit about Richard's background. He's from Kitimat, British Columbia, which is on the coast in the central part of the province. Played his college golf at Brigham Young from 1977 to 1981, where he helped them to first or second place finishes in the Western Athletic Conference all four years he was there. He finished second in the national championship in 1980. Richard won the international champions tournament over in Morocco that year, and then he came back and helped captain BYU to the 1981 national championship. And in 2009, that 81 golf team was inducted into the Brigham Young Athletics Hall of Fame. Richard won the 1981 Canadian Amateur Championship by one stroke over Blaine McAllister in a sudden death playoff. He then turned pro. Among his other wins were the 1982 British Columbia Open and the 1984 Utah State Open. On the PGA Tour, he won twice in 1992 at the uh, the Deposit Guarantee Classic in the Greater Milwaukee Open. 2001, he won on the Web.com Tour at the Canadian PGA Championship. That year, he was inducted into the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame. He is now the founder and CEO of MindTrack Golf, which you can find online at MindTrackGolf.com. And I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Richard. Thanks for coming back on the show. Well, it's a pleasure being with you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, Richard. So before we get into all the stuff going out on going on out on the PGA Tour, I, I know you're out in Kansas City right now visiting with the players on the web.com tour about mind track golf, which can help all of us, not just tour players, you know, detach emotionally from our results and focus more on performance. So talk about what mind track does. Well, yeah, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Mind track golf is a company that I've founded and what it is, it's a software platform where you use and the whole, the whole use on the golf course, and um, right now we are in our beta, beta testing stages. So it's not in commercial launch. You can't buy it. You can't use it yet. 
Uh, we're just testing it out. But uh, where we're heading is we want to make sure that, and, and particularly when, like I'm out on the web.com tour this week in, in Kansas City, and I'm introducing it to some players, and uh, Mike Weir started using it last or two weeks ago in the San Antonio event. I got uh, Rob Oppenheim signed up to try it out. And, and what really matters, Chris, is, you know, these young players in the web.com tour, and quite frankly for the PGA tour as well, you know, the development, you know, the big determining factor whether you're going to make it or not um, as a professional golfer, if you've gotten to the web.com tour, is not your physical talent. All these kids are great players. The real determining factor is what's going what's going on in their mind. And if they have their head on straight and they don't get ahead of themselves, if they learn to play in the present moment, they're going to increase their chances of being successful. And mind track golf is all about that. It's that missing piece of psychology that all golfers who take this game seriously have a tendency to just amp themselves up, to get ahead of themselves. They get out of the present moment and, uh, and they, dis they make the game, they make a lot of mistakes. They make the game more difficult. And, um, and our protocol conditions the player to get in the present moment and that way they can play their very best golf no matter what level of player they are so to that end richard you know and, and i don't want you to give away any secrets and that sort of thing but how does it help us stay in the moment because even for players you know of my level and and our, you know the, the recreational player right if we start to yep. play either really well or really badly particularly really well right hey i've made five pars in a row I could shoot even par on this you know, yeah. nine if I just keep – how does it help us stay in the moment so we don't screw ourselves up by looking ahead? It does it because of how we condition ourselves, and all golfers are the same. You know, so – and we're so – we become over time emotionally attached to the result. So when we become addicted to that result, we want that result. We want it more, the harder we push to have that result. Like, you know how it is, and, and every golfer can uh, can um, reflect to this. Say it's a, a very important four-foot putt that you need to make to win the bet or to shoot whatever, and you want the result. You get ahead of yourself, uh, and, and you push for that result, and while you're executing that putt, you make a horrible putt and you miss by a wide margin, you get furious, you pull that ball back, and w because it doesn't matter anymore, and it, it, you, you, you hit the most pure second shot of, of, uh, that you can, and you're, you're, you're confused with this. And what really happens is what's going on in the player's mind is that they want to jump ahead. They want that result, and they have no, I they have no idea that they're hurting themselves. So, what we do in, in kind of giving away our secrets is you need to detach emotionally from the, the re results. Your attentional focus must change from the result. It needs to go on to what we call the golfers, uh, the two key performance markers of every shot. So every single golf shot has, is determined. Your performance markers are your ability to assess the shot. In a putting case, that's, that's reading the putt. If it's a five iron, it's picking the right club and, and based on the information you have, depending on how the lie is, if the lie is in the rough, you shouldn't be expected to hit a driver out there. So you have to make a proper assessment. And then once you make the assessment, you have to execute. 
And, and that's different for every person. My ability to assess and execute is different than yours and different to the next person. But if you do it to your uh, highest ability, whatever level you're at, and you put your attention on those things, and then you let the score be a byproduct of how well you assess and execute. Now, what happens when you need a specific protocol to do this? Because if you don't, you'll just slip back into the old, um, uh, you know, future projecting. And, and when you start, you know, when, as you talked about, Chris, when you're playing well, you have a tendency to jump forward, go, well, if I can just kind of get in the, the last few holes with pars here, I'm going to break my record. And all that is that everyone knows that's the worst thing you can do. And at that point, you are getting out of the present moment um, that got you playing well in the first place. You project forward and you you um, collapse your thoughts. And we call that thought shearing, just like wind shear on the plane. You change the dynamics that caused the performance in the first place and it crashes. And it happens with our thoughts. So in mind track golf, you have a very specific protocol that you follow with each and every shot. And, um, and when you do that, without even knowing it, you're starting to condition yourself in the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, anxiety doesn't exist. And if you just keep doing this, then you're going to train yourself so that when you get in those intense situations, if you're a serious golfer, uh, that you have uh, a conditioned response to, uh, to, to uh, act and, uh, and increase your chances of success. So, Richard, let me take that just a half a step further. Let me give you a scenario because you just sure. mentioned a moment ago. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm out with my buddies. We're on our annual golf trip. I'm playing really well. One of my buddies yep. says to me, who's keeping score, hey, you're one under par through the last six holes. And, you know, so <laughs> you're like, oh. and Because I'm not where you know, I'm, yeah, I had a four, yeah, I had a five, whatever. I'm not keeping track. Hey, you're one under par. And then I, yep. then I double bogey. The eighth hole, yeah. and, and so immediately I'm now off my game. Can this protocol yeah. help me combat when your buddy tries to tell you, you know, get you off your game like that? Yes, exactly. And let me tell you my story, which was the aha moment when I decided to to uh, do something with this. This goes back. I created the system back in 1999 when I was uh, getting back uh, to onto the PGA Tour, and I started doing it. And obviously, we didn't have an app at that time. And I would just write down these key performance marker performance in on longhand after the round. So I started getting really good at this. And then we got to the, this, the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And, and I think I may have told this story before, but that's ex that, what you described, Chris, is exactly what happened to me on Sunday at the U.S. Open. And let me tell you how, because of my conditioning, it changed the outcome rather than hurting me. So on Sunday, U.S. Open 2000, Tiger Woods is winning by 15 shots. On that Sunday, I shoot 30 on the front nine. I shoot 30 on the front nine. And, uh, wow. uh, and, and my, my caddy says to me, we're walking down the 10th hole. He says, do you know what you shot? And I went, no, I don't, because I was just all I'm focusing on my KPMs, my key performance markers, these two assessing and executing. And I want to do them well, and it's got my full attention, and I totally detached from the score. So I make this for par on nine, and I shoot 30. But the thing is, so, and everyone says, and I know it's running through your mind or the listener's mind right now, oh, he shouldn't have said that. 
But I was at a point where I conditioned myself when he, he said, you shot 30. I went, I don't care. So I truly detached, even though he told me. So I didn't make a fuss about it. I was more interested in seeing Scotty Bowman, you know, the, the great coach for the Detroit uh, Red Wings, who was pumping his fist. And he said, go get him, Richard. And I was like, hey, look, there's Scotty Bowman. My attention was more impressed about Scotty Bowman than the 30 <laughs> I shot. And that 30 was a U.S. Open record at, at Pebble Beach. And I can assure you, the other 30s that were shot at U.S. Opens at Pebble Beach wasn't on Sunday. Uh, uh, that's for sure. So you, what it does, Chris, is when this protocol, and it takes a while. It's, like I said, it doesn't. it's not a flip of a switch and all of a sudden you get it. We golfers, and I include myself in there, have been down the rabbit hole. and We've been conditioned for a while. So when your buddy told you, I mean, it may have been his ploy on purpose, to disrupt you, and and what more powerful way that if, once he told you, you your score where you were, it didn't matter to you, and you were able to keep that performance. That's what MindTrack does. You so it, it you're able to control the situation. You, your protocol brings you into the present moment, and so when you have a visit to the future, if you jump out to the future and say, "Well, I'm doing this," then you don't freak out, and you and, and 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 you don't change. Now, this type of thinking, and what I say to these young guys on the Web.com tour, I say this to any young guy who wants to be a good golfer or uh, play professionally, because all these guys have the ability, and if you know they they have it, and 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 the seriously, the determining factor on what's whether they're going to make it or not is what runs through their minds. And and if they want to be a champion, they better get their mind together, or else uh, you know they're in for a rude awakening. Well, I certainly can't wait to get uh, get on the program because I could certainly use that, and it would have made it probably would have made a huge difference in the rest of that round for me. So let me stay, let me tell you, that you, you know, if, okay, let me tell you where I'm at with the company. So we're beta testing it right now. So the only you can't download it. It's not for commercial launch. And I'm going to go through this period for another month or two, and I'm just testing it now with some professional golfers. I'm going to be doing the same thing at the Canadian Open. I'm going to go to the Canadian Open, and I'm going to introduce it to the players out there. And then we're going to take this evidence. See, I have to get the evidence what the market says it does. Like, is the user experience um, um, simple? It has to be simple or else no one's going to use it. Is it worth it? Do you does it does it improve your game? Does it calm you down? All these questions. So when I get collect all this information, then I've got to put it in, back into our company's and and, and uh, uh, information. So when we go out to raise more money, because we got I got to get this product into an Android uh, product because it's only available in an Apple product at this point. And before we commercially launch and. It's not it's not inexpensive to write this software and put them in these apps. So I've uh, raised the capital to do it, and uh, the company is very well sound, and we're we're doing very well with it. But uh, we've got to we'll be continuing this this growth and introduction to um, all the other you know industry leaders and stakeholders. I want them to be aware of this because I I think this is uh, it's a it's an area of game performance, Chris, that really is untapped, and uh, and it and it doesn't it not only works for the professional golfer, but uh, it works for the amateur golfer as well. And it, it really doesn't matter what level you play at. What really matters and is key is 
if you take this game seriously and you want to perform and have some 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 anxiety issues, that's when this uh, this product will uh, serve you well. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to it. So, like I say, I'm going to be sticking <laughs> close to your hip to figure out when this is available. <laughs> Richard, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to go back to the Masters and get your thoughts on the tournament. Yeah. It sort of it sort of fell into Tiger's lap when all of the leaders hit their tee shots into Rays Creek on number twelve. And I and I saw your tweet about advice that Byron Nelson gave you about yeah. how to play the twelfth hole. Do you mind sharing that story? Sure, sure, absolutely. I you know I, I played in the Masters and. In 1993, after my win in Milwaukee got me in the tournament, and I got to know Byron. I was very fortunate to play an outing in Banff, and, and every year, the Oilman's tournament, they'd bring in Byron Nelson, and they'd pick some other dude from the PGA Tour. And I got to know Byron. He was, you know, he was just a very warm person, and he really enjoyed when younger people would come and ask for his advice. I picked up on that. And so um, we stayed in touch and so forth and exchanged pleasantries. And then at the Masters, I'm, you know, I'm coming down the, in the second round and I'm right on the cut line. And obviously this is the first time I've played in the Masters. And as a veteran and journeyman player out there, I, I want to make the cut. I want to play the weekend. And, and I'm on the 12th hole and I'm right on the cut line. And I hit two balls in the water, just as we saw back, you know, the pin was on the right side. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so, and, I, and it just totally confused me because you're, you're trying to pick up on the wind direction. You see that you look to the left and see the pin on the 11th blowing one way. And you see the, the pin on 12 blowing another way. And, and, uh, and I hit two balls, make a seven, miss my chance to make the cut. So I'm in the clubhouse after and, and Byron's there. And I sit down and I said, Mr. Nelson, I said, you know, can I, I, I you know, hit two balls in the water on 12. What's the deal with that hole? Why is it so difficult? And he says, he says, well, Richard, he says, you know, he says, what I what I do is I, I watch that you know, off the trees off to the right of the tee. You have to watch the Spanish Spanish moss because it's very light in the trees down in the south, and you pick up the wind. Forget about what the wind's doing on the green on twelve because it's it's causing it to swirl around that pocket. It's, be doing something else and don't look at the flag on 11 just look at the spanish moss hanging from the pine trees and go with that and then whatever you decide to do you have to hit a right to left shot over that bunker he says because if you hit a left to right shot or in a fade for a right-handed golfer the 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 uh, or yeah gotta hit a draw so if you're you know hitting your right-handed golfer you're hitting that draw the draw will penetrate that wind a lot better than a fade would. The fade has a tendency to go higher and not have the drive through the air, so the wind can't affect it. So that's what we saw. We saw the balls that went in the water on the weekend with Tiger were the shots that were to the right of the bunker, meaning that they were on line with, with the pin. And Tiger's ball went over the bunker. And, uh, and, and so... That was kind of uh, his experience. Tiger knew that. Tiger was wasn't going for that pin. Had the leader was two shots back. He was he was going to play his shot, and his discipline was to hit it over that bunker. And and you know one of the great things about that uh, that back nine is Tiger won in a different way. He won 
tactically. He he was strategic. He, he you know he's not overpowering the golf course or the field like he used to. Tiger now can only win with his A game. He can't win with his B game, and he has to play smarter. And 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 that's the beautiful thing about it is is how he had to play, and he won through attrition, and that was a very key moment. Obviously, when those, when it, when you know there were four shots in the in the water, and his wasn't one of them, and he was able to, you know, birdie the fifteenth hole, get the lead for the first time, and then close the deal as he did. It was just wonderful to watch. Richard, one more before we let you go, and and we've got the PGA Championship coming up here in a couple of weeks, and your best finish in a major was a tie for fourteenth at the ninety three PGA at Inverness Club there in in Toledo, Ohio. And you were near the leader, near the top of the leaderboard after the first round. You fire an opening round 66. What do you remember about being a part of that PGA Championship? Well, uh, at Inverness, what a beautiful golf club. I, I love, you know, Inverness and Toledo was great, and I was playing well. And I remember that well because, first of all, I, I needed to finish one more place lower, one shot lower, it would get me back to the Masters to qualify. And I wanted to continue to play in, you know, multiple, multiple masters. But, uh, what that, what really stands out in my mind, that particular, um, uh, major is I got paired with Hale Irwin on Saturday and Sunday and he was playing well and I was playing well. And Hale Irwin is a tough dude and, um, he, he doesn't really give you much. And when, and, and he respects people who play well and I remember I caught his attention and because of my play and that was one of my proudest moments that I was able to get uh, you know a, a player like Hale Irwin to kind of tip his hat to you as as a player uh, and you know he because Hale was one of the toughest dudes there was he was a tough competitor and, and he he, he he was focused and uh, driven, and uh, and I remember that. And uh, and from that point on, uh, you know, like walking through the locker rooms and that, hey, all the way to go, hey, Richard, how are you? And it was it was it was a breakthrough moment for me as a journeyman player, Chris. And and uh, you know, I, I I didn't play. I loved U.S. Opens. Uh, uh, I I played really well in the U.S. Open at Pebble in '92. Shots. Uh, you know, I didn't have a round over par, and then I remember playing in in, in the final group with Paul Azinger, and that's when the wind blew up and I, it came up, and it you know the average score was just off the charts. I shot 80 that day. Azinger shot 80 that day. That was and that was a pretty good score because the wind was blowing 40 out there, and um, and and then the other U.S. Open I played at Pebble in 2000. I barely made the cut and had a poor third round, but then I had. A, that 30. So I wasn't able to really put it all together. And I wish I got myself to contention in, in majors more than I did, but um, it wasn't the case. And, uh, but I do have some fun memories and Toledo in 1993, when Paul Azinger won, was one of those. I, I really enjoyed uh, playing well in the major championship. Richard, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Follow, follow you on social media and how I can stay attached to your hip. With re- with respect to mine, the Mind Track app. Well, uh, the Mind Track, uh, Mind Track Golf, and that's M I N D T R A K Golf. Mind Track is with no C. Mind Track Golf. Look at our website. Uh, uh, there's some interesting stuff in there, and and 
just stay. I ask your, your listeners to uh, keep an eye out for it. We're not there yet uh, to commercial launch, and uh, anyone can reach me and follow me on Twitter uh, at Richard Zokel. So, uh, but do let, love to stay in touch in touch with you, Chris. I love these discussions we get into and and the stories. I think they're important, and uh, it takes me back a long way. So I do appreciate it very much. I appreciate you very much, Richard. Thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for coming back on the show. I look forward to catching up with you again soon, and hopefully uh, around the time you're ready to release MindTrack, we can get you back here and talk all about it. Thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Take care, Richard. That's the great Richard Zokol, Z-O-K-O-L, at Richard Zokol on Twitter. He's a great follow, by the way, and a lot of great stories and uh, some of the things in the, like that Byron Nelson story out there on social media. So be sure to follow him, and uh, I'll get him back on here as soon as I can. I'll be watching out for that MindTrack app because, uh, like I say, it's something I could use, and I'm sure many of us can use about making sure we're staying in the moment and not getting ahead of ourselves. So thanks to Richard for his time and being a part of the show again tonight. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.